right. You guys get to write the, uh, the first couple paragraphs of the sermon. There's a written copy because uh, I didn't know what you wanted to say. But, uh, but for the first couple paragraphs, you are the ones that get to write the sermon. So this is how it goes. Tell me, what do you see in these pictures? You can mention any, pick out one, pick them out all. You see anything that you want to comment on? What do you see? You see families. All right, we see families. Good. Rest. All right. Good. Anything else? Love. Anything else? Comfort. Kids. All right. All pretty positive things, right? Pretty positive-looking pictures. You know what I see? I see a little boy who looks just like his dad, a spitting image of his dad. But I also see a little boy who never knew his dad because his dad passed away of cancer before he was born. In fact, his dad never even knew he'd be born. I went to the funeral of the, that little boy's dad, and three days later, his, his, the recent widow found out she was pregnant. Uh, the bottom one, those aren't two teenage girls recuperating from a night of binge-watching TV or eating or having a sugar crash. Uh, those are two girls who are recuperating from the toughest day of their life uh, as their father passed away. In fact, that one's just recent. Their, pa- their father just passed away also of cancer. Top right, that's not just a proud dad or someone trying to get the golden retriever to look at the camera unsuccessfully. Um, that's a dad, uh, a grieving dad, whose wife uh, was rushed to the ER for some inexplicable medical emergency, and they were able to save uh, little Kennedy through an emergency C-section, but mom didn't make it. What's the point? The point is not to share tear-jerking stories about people who have lost parents, or who have lost spouses. Uh, But the point is to say that, you know, just because what we see on the outside, the facade that we put on, or what we put on our social media, uh, does not always match what's going on in the inside, or the situation at large. You know, life, life hurts. Life is not all smiles and kisses and naps. Life hurts. You know, I don't, it, it, it's got to be a, a, a God timing thing, but months ago, uh, we picked the theme for today, uh, and it was going to be, Come and Worship the God Who Helps Us. And in no less, I had no less than seven conversations this week where I either saw tears running down people's cheeks or heard sobs on the other end of the phone. And that's not just be- the life of a pastor. That's, that's life for all of us. Some weeks more than others, but again, life hurts. And if you find yourself in such conversations or you find yourself in such situations, it's not like you can just turn that off just like that. Okay, I'm done talking to you. Now you bury that conversation and you move on with the rest of your day. 
Now, oftentimes when, when we're hurting, when we have situations in life that cause tears or, or, or you know, cause distress, what do we do? We, we drive around with that all day, all week maybe. And I couldn't help but think of some of the conversations I had as I was driving around our beautiful landscape and, and, and seeing what God has created here and echoing the words of the psalmist. I lift my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? Have you ever asked that? Maybe as you even have driven around here and you've seen the beautiful landscapes, I lift my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? We don't know what prompted the psalmist to ask this question or to lift his eyes. Maybe he had a situation very similar to some of those pictures. Maybe he just lost a parent. Maybe he just lost a spouse. Maybe he lost a child. Maybe he was trying to survive the drought, not knowing where his next meal was going to come from. Maybe his friends weren't talking to him. Maybe he just got fired. Maybe he just broke a femur. Who knows what's going on in his life. And yet I'm rather grateful that when the Holy Spirit inspired him to write Psalm 121, he left it general. Because if it was so specific of a question or so specific of a situation that you and I couldn't relate to, I don't know if we would listen to the rest of the psalm. We wouldn't listen for the the rest of the solution to this question, where does my help come from? And so very wisely, God allows us to be a very generic question. I lift my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? And while the question is very general, very generic in nature, the answer, the answer is very specific. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. What a beautifully simplistic phrase of comfort. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. You know, in just a little bit, we are going to be confessing our faith once again uh, using the Apostles' Creed. And the first article of that Apostles' Creed starts off, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. And we can just, you know, roll through that confession. But find the comfort in that first article. That our God is the one who made the earth, the heavens and the earth. That our, our God, you know, is, is the one who, who made those very mountains that we lift our eyes to. That, that you, you think of the comfort that that brings to us. That we can find, this, we can find comfort in the strength of the God who helps us. I mean, here is a God, the, the God who helps us is the one who can just, you know, pick up his paintbrush and, and paint stars in the sky. I mean, Bob Ross can't even do that, right? Just the tip of his, with the tip of his paintbrush. The one that, that offers to help us is the same God who, who can create things like sound waves, 
so that as I'm moving my mouth and making noise up here, my, it doesn't get caught in a vacuum. No, it, it, it follows sound waves all the way to your ears. The one who helps us is the one who can take those, those vibrations, those sound waves, and, and, and translate them into words that make sense to your brains and maybe even touch the emotions of your heart. The God who helps us is the one who can take these words from Scripture that we're studying and hearing today, and he can create and sustain faith in the very souls that he breathed into us. That's the God who helps us. You know, here we are, almost a month removed from Christmas, and I love Christmas. But I think a good thing to do every January is to remind ourselves that Jesus isn't just a baby. He's not just one who was swaddled up like that little baby that was in that one picture there. He's God. He's the maker of heaven and earth. And you can find comfort. You can find comfort in the strength of God's help. But it's not just in the strength of God's help that you can find comfort. You can also find comfort in the sentiment of God's help. What do I mean by that? Uh, I don't use the word sentiment too much, but it's an S word, and I needed an S word here for your, for your the time today. Sentiment, sentimental. Uh, it, it shows that God is not just one who has the power to help us, but he's also got the heart to help us. That he cares for you. And that's wrapped up here in this, this phrase, uh, my help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Put it this way, like it, in my neighborhood, I don't know if it's just my neighborhood, maybe it's your neighborhood too, but people love to wash cars. Maybe, your neighbor, maybe you love to wash cars. Uh, I bet you I could... Guarantee you today, especially right now, because everybody drives around and it's puddles and dirty right now, so everybody's car is getting filthy. Every weekend, if I go for a walk, I will see someone scrubbing away. So if you come to my neighborhood and you want to watch it, you can see it this weekend. But I have yet, to my knowledge, ever see someone wash a rental car. Why? Because it's not ours. It doesn't belong to me. There's not that connection to it. And, and so you, you don't spend the time or energy trying to make that better. Or, or same thing maybe even happens with, with relationships between like parents and children or, or grandparents and children. You, you teach your grandkids or you teach your kids skills or you, you spend extra time on their homework or you, you cart them all around. And if you're watching them perform musically or you're watching them perform athletically, you're saying, ah, that's my kid. You don't do that for everybody else. You, you think about that now in light of this psalm. That the God who helps us isn't just offering some generic, emotionless strength. But as he looks at you, he says, that's my kid. That's the one I want to help. And you can imagine that his help is going to be specific to your needs. It's going to be you know, curtailed right to, to what you need best. And so we celebrate that. We, we find comfort in that, not just in the strength of God's help, not just in the, the power of his arm, but also in the care of his heart. 
And yet the way the devil can work in our minds, sometimes those two points, that God is strong and sentimental about us, has a way of weaving its way into our brains to say, well then, why in all the world am I ever even in a situation where I need God's help? If he's so strong and if he cares about me so much, you know, why doesn't he prevent all of these things from happening? Legitimate question. Legitimate question. But it's a question that the psalmist answers as well. As we look at the rest of the psalm, we kind of move on from finding comfort in the strength of God's help and the sentiment of God's help and now we go and look at the, the scope, the scope of God's help. Uh, just looking at the rest, the rest of the words here from, from Psalm 121. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. As I look at those words, maybe you do this too, if you just look at them for what they say on the page, my first instinct might to say, God is a liar. He will not let your foot slip. Are you kidding me? You know, Jeff took me snowshoeing up Mount Rose the other week, last week. How many times did I slip? <laughs> you know, come on, God. You said my foot won't slip. Probably five, six times. I didn't go down, but I slipped. <laughs> or the sun will not harm you by day. Maybe not in January. I bet you some of you peeled last weekend if you forgot to lather up enough when you went to Tahoe. So, so how can the psalmist say this? I have to understand, the way that this psalm is written, it's, it's not really meant to be dissected verse by verse, but, but look at the big picture that he is painting. He, encouraging us to really step away, you know, hold this, this psalm at arm's length. Here, and you can, you, he's painting a major theme. In fact, there's a, a word in these, in these verses that, that is more common than any other ones. I don't know if you see the word that's the most prevalent. The doesn't count. Anybody see it? Watch. Five times. Five times in English, actually, the word keep in the original language is the same word as the other one. So six times in six verses, God says he's going to watch you. He's watching over you. He doesn't take a break. Three times it says he doesn't slumber, doesn't sleep. I mean, you think about how much you and I sleep. We sleep a third of your, our lives away if we sleep eight hours a day. So take your age, divide it by three, that's how much you've slept. God doesn't even blink from watching over you. He watches over you day and night, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter where you are, coming and going, he's watching over you. So what does that look like? How come I still have these troubles if God is watching over us? Well, maybe some of you can remember this, or you've been on one side or the other of this, but if you ever had a child who had just had their driver's permit, 
And what did you have to do? You had to sit in the passenger seat, right? And you had to watch over them. What would be safer, you driving or them? Obviously you. Uh, what, would be, what would get you to your destination quicker? Obviously if you were in the driver's seat. But, but you don't say, all right, I'm driving. Get over here. You let them drive. Otherwise, they would never learn the skills. And so you're watching over them. You're pointing out things along the way. You're saying, okay, watch out. There's a car coming pretty you know, quickly onto that intersection. Or, oh, man, you're getting a little close to the shoulder here. Or, or oh, Mr. Police Officer's there. Or, you know, you're, you're, you're pointing things out. Watch your speed. Well, when God's watching over us, you can kind of think about him sometimes in his wisdom. He chooses to sit in the passenger seat. And he doesn't always reach over and, and grab the wheel from us. Sometimes he allows us to make wrong turns. Sometimes he allows us to even make, come into accidents. But his promise is that I'm there. For our growth, he's there, allowing some of these things to happen. He says, I'm watching over with his biggest concern about reaching the destination. I'm watching over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. You look at that last verse. And I, you know, I, I think that is a great verse to tuck into our memory brains, especially for the mobile society that we live in. We are always coming and going. We put pins on a map of all the places that we visited. Where you know we look at our calendars and we look at our you know at our upcoming trips on our on our flight apps and we go, okay, I got to go here, I got to go there, I got to go there. And, and that's a beautiful promise that God says, hey, I'm watching over your coming and going. But look what He says here. He says, I'm watching over your coming and going both now, but also you're going forevermore. Ultimately, that is what he is promising here. His watching over is, yes, it's about now, but ultimately it's about your forevermore. And when you and I are carrying something heavy on our hearts, a situation that leads us to lift our eyes to the mountains and we're screaming, where does my help come from? Maybe we don't always want to hear at that moment, oh, don't worry, it's all going to be better when you're in heaven, right? Tuesday nights, we're offering divorce care here now, and there were a few people here this last week, and obviously some hurting people. If I would have said, oh, don't worry about it, it'll be over when, it's, when you're in heaven, I think one guy would have punched me, right? It sounds cliche, to say it's going to be ever, it's going to be better, but it's anything but cliche. That is God's promise to you. Yes, He says, "I'm watching over you now, with my strength and my sentiment." But those things really fade into the background when we consider the scope. That it's not just about the now. It's for eternity. And so again, I ask you, what do you see? What do you see when you look at these pictures? Do you see smiles and kisses 
and naps? Or do you see widows and kids that have lost their parents? The answer is both. But I'd also pray you would see that watching over them is the Lord. The Lord who's watching over their coming and going now. And for the people who are missing from those pictures, you know that God is watching over their going forevermore. That's how God promises to help you and to watch over you. Whether you're the black and white, the life of this world where everything is still a little cloudy, or whether you're going to be in heaven where everything is clear and in color, God is watching over your coming and going now and forevermore. And so my prayer for you, dear friends, is that you find comfort. No matter what situation you're facing now or in the future, find comfort in the strength of God's help. Find comfort in the sentiment of God's help. But find comfort in the scope of God's help. That is what gives us reason to come and worship. Come and worship the God who helps us. Amen. We confess our faith now.